This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. I understand. That's why they're so popular because no one understands them. No, Rihanna actually makes good and coherent music. Future makes good and coherent music. It is good though. Which is good. Like, commas, do you know what he's saying? I started, I was really listening to it and I was like, oh my God, I love it even more. Now that I like was realizing what the lyrics meant, oh, there's so like certain parts I'm like, yes. Like the part when he talks about doing drugs or when he talks about oh, not having hear that part. intercourse with multiple women, they're not calling them back. What are we talking about? Um, Commas oh, from Future. I I'll play that during the break since Lena loves that song so much <laughs> get ready guys <laughs> so speaking of comments guys we are back on let your voice be heard on 90.3 fm whcr the voice of harlem how many times have i told you that this is the voice of harlem but you still don't believe me and by being the voice of harlem by, by being the best radio show in the world minus all the other shows that are better than us we have a plan that will save the world and by a plan that will save the world i mean a plan that i think is good but no one else really agrees with but that's not really important because i'm very persuasive because I'm charming and I make you feel good about yourself. You know who else did that? Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan was the hero of the 1980s and maybe the 70s too because he was also governor of California. But before he was a hero, he was thought to be a kind of person that would be... Hmm. He was an actor. Him. He was an actor, yes, but he was an imbecile. And <laughs> by imbecile, I mean imbecile because a lot of people thought that he was a joke. He was a hack, politically at least. He was one of those people who was in the far right who no one really took seriously because he just said and did outrageous things. You would never actually trust him to be the president of the United States, which is why the first time he ran, he didn't really get much steam. And then he tried to force a convention, but it didn't work. And he actually, fun fact, he was the last person to pick a vice presidential um, candidate to run along him, even though he hadn't actually won a nomination. Sorry, Ted Cruz. But Reagan, as you know, came back in the 80s and he beat Jimmy Carter and became the president of the United States of America. He became the number one stunner. What to what what? I know you guys listen to Cash Money for the 99 and 2000s. He was the one that was going to run this country, and he had a plan for this country. He had a plan that was going to make us all kinds of money. Because after LBJ's war on poverty and all these black people asking for rights to drink water at the same water fountain and to have the right to vote without getting shot, big babies, he said, we had to put some order back in this country, and I know how to do it. We can stop these riots. We can put people in jail for being black. I mean, for doing drugs. Yes, that's what he said, the drug part, yes. We can make money come back by following a very simple climate, the better business climate model. And since I learned how to read in Flint from an adorable little girl by the name of Gabby who can also dab very well, I will read to you the definition for the better business climate model. It was pretty much a system, and it had two key components, and those components were cutting taxes on corporations and the super rich. And the second one? Reducing regulations, especially on Wall Street. What, what was one of those regulations? Well, one of those regulations was stock buyback. So before, companies could not purchase their own stocks because they thought that that was immoral and that was kind of like stock manipulation. Because when, so say for example, there are 10 stocks, right? That the three of us own. And then I own five of those stocks, you guys own the rest. I buy a stock from you, that brings up the value of the stock. So companies could not do that because it would, it would be raising the value of your company like, in a fake way. Artificially. Thank yeah. you. Artificially. I like that word. College word. So you couldn't do that. Reagan was like, hey, why not? He got rid of that. Then all of a sudden, these companies started doing that, and they started hiring CEOs and giving them stock options in the company, which incentivized them trying to find ways to make the company more money, cutting funding for trainings, jobs, etc., putting more money to buying more stocks. And that was Reagan's better business climate model, along with the huge tax cuts and the cuts in regulations and the cuts of funding for all these other programs. 
depending on who you ask, it went very well or went very wrong. If you ask the 1980s mainstream, which was white and male, then it was pretty awesome. If you ask the, the 1980s Wall Street, it was freaking amazing. Just go watch Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, Quaaludes. And now, cocaine. Yeah, oh, it looks like so much fun, doesn't it? Oh, man, no, it does not, America. <laughs> the drugs are not fun except oh, for whiskey. All right? But if you ask a person of color, LGBT people, people suffering from the AIDS epidemic that wasn't acknowledged until 1988. If you ask anyone who was outside of mainstream culture, they might say something different. There's a reason that people of color tend to get very tense when you mention the Reagan era. But we're not here to debate how people took it. We will say that was his climate model. His um, former opponent and an eventual vice presidential um, partner, George Bush the first called it voodoo economics because it could not work. That's what he said. But then he eventually adopted that portion too. And then when he became president in the 90s and the economy struggled, he was elected out of office. And then we had Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton for eight years tried to reverse a lot of what was going on with the better business climate model, even though some components of it were still being implemented. And a lot of those bills that were passed, like um, getting rid of the, um, the ban on stock buybacks, were still there. Bill Clinton goes to his presidency. We get to George H.W. Bush, too. He comes in, brings those right back. The economy collapses. Got Obama, and now things are how they are. But now we have Donald Trump. Donald Trump has a similar background to Ronald Reagan. He's a bit of a celebrity. He's a bit of a person you've mostly only seen on television because of The Apprentice. And he is somebody that even the Republicans, mainstream Republicans, have paid attention to him, have mostly seen him as a crazy or stupid outlier. And he is now the Republican nominee for president. And his economic plans are the same ones that Ronald Reagan and hell, Ted Cruz and John Kasich have been talking about. Just a bit more extreme. And you guys are probably wondering, well, what would actually happen if he became president of the United States? Would it be as bad as everyone tries to make it seem? Well, we're here to help you figure out if that is the case. Because we actually have a case study. While Donald Trump is somewhere out here eating fried chicken and saying he loves the blacks and posting it on Twitter, we're going to talk to you guys about a couple of states. The first one is Kansas. The second one is New Orleans. And both of these states have 100% dived into the better business climate model. What does that mean? That means they have made huge tax cuts. They have deregulated as much as possible, and they have promised job creation and happiness for everyone because of it. And we'll take a look at their economies, and we'll see where they are now. And where they are, where they were then, and where they are now, and try to figure out what the hell has happened, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, and hopefully that will help you to get a picture of what a Trump presidency would look like, as far as economics go, at least. So before I start rambling off in the Kansas and the um the New Orleans, what I like to do is talk to say Jackie. Thank God she's not. Oh, here. Oh yeah, Jackie's not here. Yeah, Selena. No, Jackie's here. Don't you see? This is Jackie's hologram. It's yeah. like Tupac. You're right. The chair is very ugly, which tells me it's Jackie. Oh, <laughs> dis. Yeah. She's gonna hear that. You're gonna get some. Mm ish for that word <laughs> so <laughs> i want to turn i want to turn to selena <laughs> yes i'm, I'm rusty it. guys i'm rusty i want to turn to selena and Alyssa and just start having a conversation of um do you, what do you guys remember of like the bush presidency because that's the, the most recent we could think of when they had the better business climate model the first bush presidency the second, the second one, bush the second president say i mean listen the, what i remember the best is that they did tax cuts for the rich with the idea that they were going to trickle down but nothing ever trickled down and it led to the great recession and essentially to the market falling out from under us in 2008 and then we had to spend our tax money to bail all those banks out when they screwed everything up so that's how i sum up the bush presidency in a nutshell no yeah. no i mean oh, that's absolutely right 
right. I mean, when you think of President Bush, you think of the Great Recession, um, and you <clears throat> excuse me, you you think of basically. Um, cronyism and the fact that Wall Street got a bailout and the fact that um, when it just came to like corporations how much how much money corporations have been profiting while we as taxpayers have been losing losing how when it came to jobs um, when it came to like education like think about it the value of education is going down but the tuition is going up so I mean like it really screwed over the economy and mostly average working Americans and notwithstanding it also increased the deficit because if you don't have money coming in but you still are spending money then what's going to happen the deficit and then, of course, the debt is going to start to skyrocket. And then when somebody like President Obama comes into office and tries to reverse that, people are looking at him talking about how, like, he hasn't done enough. Like, dude, do you realize what the circumstances were when he came into office in 2008? There was a lot of stuff that was messed up that needed to be fixed. Yep. Thank you for that. So just to go a little bit deeper on George Bush the second. So what he did when he came into office in 2000, he said, listen, we have a $320 billion surplus we don't need this. This is the people's money. Look. I'm sorry. I just read your shirt. <laughs> let's give it. Let's give it back so to the sorry. people. So then, my shirt says, "I love bougie black women." By the way, guys, I'll show it to you when it came when I get a chance. So it's 324 billion dollar surplus. We got to give that back to the people. So he made it. He he got tax. The cuts. rich people. So then the tax cuts happened, but then the internet bubble burst because there was a lot of money coming from the internet at the moment because people started building dot coms, kind of like how we have like the app boom right now and then when that bubble burst we went into a recession so in 2002 he pushed for another tax cut so we got another tax cut then in 2005 when we were still in the recession he got another tax cut so he got one huge tax cut one small one and another huge one with the promise that it was going to help and while that was happening he didn't stop spending he got into two wars and he also signed a prescription pill bill that was going to make us spend even more money yep so that was just george hw bush no, that was george w bush oh sorry thank you very much i don't want to debate with that because i'm sure tamar will come to his defense at any moment i tamar that was shade he, he's calling in eventually but um, I do want to talk about we've had eight years of Obama. So most people probably forgot that. And they probably think, well, maybe it was because of all the things happening in the world. So now we have Kansas. Kansas has had Governor Brown back since 2010. He was a Tea Party elected governor. And he said what we are going to do is create a political climate that supports the Republican Party and shows our ideals. This is going to be a laboratory so you can see success. So this is what he did in 2008 and 10. They passed massive tax breaks for the wealthy and repealed all income taxes on more than 100,000 businesses. They tightened welfare requirements, privatized the delivery of Medicaid, cut $200 million from the education budget, eliminated four state agencies and 2,000 government employees. And in the following January, after Governor Brownback helped to get to um, recall, to get rid of two con- um, moderate Republicans, they elected two more Tea Party Republicans, and then they made even deeper cuts. What did they do? Well, they had the largest tax cut in Kansas City history, and the promise was that they were going to grow $323 million in the budget and create 100,000 jobs. And what no. happened? The exact opposite right. of that happened. No, no, it's absolutely right. So, um, when uh, Governor, Governor Brownback implemented these um, trickle-down economics on a state level, giving the wealthy a 29% tax cut, that's sub- that's pretty substantial, especially if you think about how much money um, the elite actually own. Um, so it was basically just like redistributing wealth to upward. Like, upward and to donors and the people that actually got him elected. And he, like you said, he was aiming to create jobs, but mm-hmm. from March 2015 to March 2016, job growth grew 
grew by 0.1%. It almost had negative job growth. Yes, almost flat. So basically, the exact opposite worked. And like, honestly, sorry, do you want to just... I just want to make a quick correction. I said that they promised to make $323 million in um, in local revenues. That's actually how much they lost in 2011. This is why, like, I can't listen to it when people trying to explain to me why it works. Because it's like, we're sitting here and giving you the numbers and the facts. And we're giving you at least one case study, right? And we could give you several more case studies, like New Orleans, Louisiana, which I know we're going to get to later in the segment, for example. But there are number of case studies where this has been done, where they have come in and implemented this model, cut taxes across the board, and told us this is going to create jobs. And in fact, what we have seen is we have seen two major things. One, they cut taxes so much that there's no money in the budget to pay for anything else. So then you have failing schools, you have failing public defender systems, you are not guaranteeing people their constitutional rights under the Sixth Amendment to the fact that they are entitled to have a lawyer because you can't pay for it. You're getting sued by the federal government because of the fact that you can't provide the proper education that you need to provide in order to meet the standards that the federal government says you need to meet under the Department of Education, and you've created no jobs. So uh, it's like I I don't want to hear somebody tell me that it works because it's like it doesn't work. It doesn't matter how many times somebody says it does. It's like a delusion. It doesn't matter. You can keep repeating it and repeating it and repeating it, um, but you know it's like the definition of insanity. Just because you repeat it doesn't make it true. Very good point, Alyssa. And Alyssa mentioned a couple of things that she feels happening, what she knows is happening in Kansas. When we come back from this break, I'm going to give you the nitty gritty of just how bad things look and we're also going to take a look into new orleans but guys if you are listening and you want to call in with questions comments or curse words you can call in in the next two minutes the number is 212-650-6903 whcr 90.3 fm new york brown backs governor he ain't sorry. And the whole state is failing, and he's still not sorry. <laughs> I can't get a damn job. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, we are talking about trickle-down supply-side Reaganomics, better business climate and model, better known as what Ronald Reagan said would save the world, George Bush said would save the better world. Better known as a fraud. George H.W. Bush said would save the world, and now Donald Trump thinks will save the world because he believes that math doesn't need to account to things. Although I should interject there that apparently Donald Trump announced this morning that he does think taxes should go up on rich people. So, you know, <sighs> hey, even a broken clock's right twice a I day. I think he just like throws darts against the wall and sees what it lands on. So, guys, if you're just tuning in, we've been talking about <clears throat> the economy and what it would look like under a Trump presidency by using Kansas as um, a sample size. But we do have a caller on a line. I want to give Tamon a chance to let his voice be heard. Alyssa, go ahead before. No, 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 no. After. Okay, no problem. So, Tamon, thank you for calling. Let your voice be heard. Hey, guys. It's good to talk to you guys. Hey, Taman. Hey, calling all the way from Texas, by the way, guys. That's right. All, all the way from Donald Trump country, which uh, I'm not I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Didn't they vote for Cruz? Well, this is oh, really that's, more Yeah, I was going to say, that's Cruz country. Which isn't much better. Trump has, Trump has, has uh, some fans here, as you can imagine. Which Trump has fans in New York. Me, but <laughs> if yeah, there's, no, if, he's a New Yorker. Anywhere there's <laughs> racists, you'll find Trump fans. Values. All 50 states. <laughs> No, I, I, I was just uh, I was just going to say this real quick because uh, we talk about tax cuts. You guys know me; I'm a I'm a flaming economic conservative, but I'm not the economic conservative that that 
Ronald Reagan was or George Bush was, either of them. I'm more of a oh, Gary Johnson, Ron Paul type economic conservative, not even tax cuts. But one of my biggest things is, and I'm sure you guys know this, is that tax cuts have to come with spending cuts in a way. But not, but you know, you can't cut taxes without having a sound dollar. And you can't uh, cut taxes without looking at your budget for spending first. If you're in a hole, then you need to cut spending. But you can't just cut taxes first because then there's going to be a loss in revenue before the spending comes, as you guys mentioned. But when it comes to the spending cut, you have to make it first because we all know that every state has you know, economic woes. You guys brought up Kansas. The opposite of Kansas would be Connecticut, where you look at Connecticut, where taxes have been raised three different times and jobs are still leaving and they still have economic woes. That would be the opposite. But um, you just, uh, I'm I'm in big proposal. You guys mentioned when uh, when George W. Bush did the did the tax cuts, there was a big difference because then he went off and exploded spending with the military budget. So if, you have to have a sound balance between the two. I'm still in um, a strong co- a proponent for those tax cuts, but you have to literally cut government first, which is not, which is something I'm convinced Republicans and Democrats aren't really focused on doing. Thank you so much, Damon. And if you guys want to call in with a question or a comment, you can give us a call at 212-650-6903. I wanted to respond to the Connecticut Post very quickly. So, yeah, they have had tax increases and uh, the economy is not doing well, but that has more to do with it not actually being a viable job industry there. So, And what I mean by that is, like, there's no strong industry driving it. So Flint, Michigan had the auto industry. When the auto industry left, nothing came to replace it. They're struggling. You have um, Texas, which has strong oil and natural gas now. So oil is struggling, but natural gas is still there. So they're doing okay. If you tax people, but there's nothing to tax them on because there's no jobs, period, there isn't really much you can do. And on the other hand of that is where, the, you know, you talk about cuts. There's nowhere to make these cuts. I mean, literally, the the federal government is telling you that they've cut so much money from education that they're actually violating the Constitution. They're violating students' constitutional rights to get a public education. They're violating many federal laws that say that K through 12 is a funded education. You can't cut money out of that anymore than you have. Don't you want to have educated right. people? You can't cut right. any more money out of the public defense budget because people are guaranteed a lawyer by the sixth amendment right now i just want to give you some numbers since brownback's inauguration 1414 kansas with kansans with disabilities people who we should be caring about especially as christians as a lot of people in kansas are have been thrown off of medicaid in 2015 six school districts in the state were forced to end their years early because of lack of funding there have been cuts to health and human services that are expected to cause 65 preventable deaths this year in central county alone tax receipts came in at 53 million Million below estimates, and then Brownback immediately cut $17 million from the state's university system. Okay, these are services that people want. They want Medicare to be provided to dis- people with disabilities. They want their children to grow up going to schools where they get an education that's funded. They want there to be public defenders. This way, if you get arrested, you get your constitutional guarantee of a lawyer. They want to drive on roads that are not falling apart. Where do you cut? You can't cut. That's where me and Taman disagree, which is he thinks you can just cut your way out of the problem. You can't. This is what you're cutting. You're cutting essential services that people need and that people want. Well, so what you should be doing is raising taxes to provide the services that people want instead of cutting services and cutting taxes. I think you're misinterpreting Taman just a little bit because Taman definitely said he's for cuts, but he said you make cuts on a sound dollar and you can't just 
you you do tax on cuts in, on a sound dollar, and you don't just slice like any piece of the budget. It had to be sound cuts. So I don't think Taman was actually endorsing supporting that. I think he went like out of his way to kind right. of differentiate and that. And that may be true. But and just, I'll give hold on him one that. Second. I don't want. I don't want to. I'm getting like a little back and forth going on right now, even though I kind of want to. But I know Selena's been waiting for a while to speak. So no, I, I, listen. I'll give him that. And uh, like totally the sound dollar. But here's the thing is what I'm trying to say is there is no more sound dollar cuts to be made. Now everything you're cutting into are essential services that you're gutting. Selena? Right. No. So I just wanted to add on to, you know, besides the fact that transportation is really struggling, education is struggling. And, you know, as Alyssa mentioned, I think you said it's K through 12. It's not just like they're cutting school education in high schools, but, you know, Head Start and, and the things that are essential for young people. I mean, excuse me, for children and especially black and brown children. Um, but I, I wanted to add on to that. There's also this. So so Brownback's um, economic policy has also created a fiscal crisis. Um so much that Kansas is $420 million short of revenue. It had in the year Brownback's tax, tax cuts first went into effect. But the thing is that... But the, but the thing is that um, when, you, when you think about it, so the people who are backing um, uh, a Brownback and the people who are, who are backing him... They're still defending him, right? There's still people saying, like, you know what? This is good for the economy, whereas it's also created almost like a division with the Republican Party. You see a lot of congressional state um, Republicans in Kansas doing a lot of pushback and just pointing all the blame on Brownback, saying it was his idea, whereas it's so stupid because we know that Republicans as a party always endorse trickle-down economics no matter how many times it fails on the federal level or on state levels. Well, now, here's the thing you should, you should know. So Brownback was reelected by the people of Kansas. He was up for election. He almost lost. And there were Republicans endorsing the Democratic candidate because they felt that Brownback had gone too far. Brownback was reelected partially because he promised to create 100,000 jobs in the second term. Two years in, he's created 700 and he's had additional cuts. And now he's raising taxes on the state on on a sales tax and he's raising taxes on a poor middle class. Right, because that's what a sales tax does is that it taxes the poor. I mean, additional to that. Well, right, because, you know, social in their minds, that socialism is okay. It's socialism for the rich. It's let's tax everybody else so that the rich can get off because they're the ones who are supposedly creating these jobs. But in reality, the only jobs they're creating is the butler on the yacht. So... <laughs> <laughs> so I did want to switch gears just a little bit because Kansas is not the only state who has seen um, consequences from this kind of um, economic policy. So in New Orleans, Bobby Jindal, who was who was governor for eight years, he just recently, um, you know, obviously left and you have a new governor there. Who's a Democrat? He, he's a Democratic governor. He also more or less ran his his state in, um, economy into the ground. So when Bobby Jindal moved into the governor's mansion in 2008, he inherited a $1 billion surplus. When he moved out last year, Louisiana faced a $1.6 billion projected deficit. Part of that budgetary collapse can be put on the year's plumbing, like the plumbing oil prices, but it's also because when that happened, he gave the biggest tax cut in New Orleans history to the state, and it went mostly to the rich. And when they saw that the tax cut was hurting their budget, instead of going back on it, he pushed through even harder, costing New Orleans to now lose roughly eight hundred million dollars every single year. And I want I want to get to you guys, but I want to make sure we give like a really clear like um look into what New Orleans was going through to make that gap up. He slashed social services, raided the state's rainy day funds, and papered over the rest with reckless borrowing, borrowing for the state. And which is why you had the crisis now, where in New Orleans they cannot afford a public defender for every person who needs one, and also they cannot afford someone from ACS to take up every child abuse case. 
case, which means there are child abuse cases right now that are not being seen because a state cannot afford it. You know, literally. just want to cut in there. So if you really care about children and potentially children being abused, maybe you should be thinking more about whether or not your state has enough money to fund child abuse investigations instead of whether your state's about to lose money because of transgender bathroom bills that I'm going to get to later in the, in the show. And just to go further on, so... In this 2016 budget, they're projected to have a $940 million budget gap. In 2017, a $2 billion budget shortfall. That's New Orleans right now. Selena, I know you had your hand raised. <coughs> Did I cover what you were going to ask already? Um, no, but basically, um, the only thing that I was going to say is that, um, you know, we had mentioned who wins and who loses and like no one wins when we have these these type of things whether it's happening in New Orleans well, or Kansas people there are winners actually right that's exactly what, well what I wanted to just say like you know just just on a, on a broad general basis mm-hmm. the, you know the, the wealthy win and I think that you know every time we hear these policies being pushed by Republicans they're always saying that you know when the when we give entrepreneurs and job creators and the wealthy more money in their pockets they spend more but that's not true what they do is they save more they put money in offshore accounts or in Panama and it just never helps and ever goes down. And I just wanted to add to your numbers about Louisiana. The education funding is down 44% since Bobby Jindal took office. The state hospitals are likely to see a $64 million funding cut this year. So again, these aren't smart cuts. I mean, like, if you, I'm all for figuring out how to get rid of bureaucratic waste to consolidate agencies and to even make things like, you know, how can we be more efficient with documents that are being printed and money that's being spent by the government on ink and supplies and pens and, you know, how can we make it so we're spending less on office supplies and and things like that? I mean, I sit down all the time at my job and I look at, I mean, I don't know my office, my firm's financials, you know, through and through, but I look at some of the things that we spend money on day to day and I try and figure out how we can cut out some of those expenses. Those are smart dollar cuts. Having to cut $64 million from your state hospital system are not what we call smart dollar cuts. And, and, you know, until oh, yeah. we, like that, that, that's the thing is like we're not talking about those kind of cuts. And, and, and what's worse is that every single Republican that was running for president, obviously they're now all out except for Donald Trump, would all do these types of things. They would all do tax cuts across the board that would most certainly lead to more situations where we'd have an increase in the federal debt and eventually an increase in the federal deficit. And we wouldn't see increased job growth like on the flip side of that is we're Coming off of eight, almost eight full years of Obama, and we've seen 71 straight months of private sector job growth. There's been 14 million jobs created, and unemployment is below 5%. And on top of that, nearly 18 million Americans now have health coverage. So do you want that, or do you want to go back to the Kansas model? Well, Selena... I mean, it just doesn't make sense, but I know that we wanted to switch gears and also talk about what's going on in Texas, Stanley. So, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Selena. Um, so, a lot of people were saying that for every Kansas and for every New Orleans, there is a Texas um, and there are other states who are not doing as bad. And it goes back to the conversation we were having with Tamon. So, Tamon mentioned that, well, you know, um, Connecticut is not following the economic policies of Kansas, and they're doing poorly. And he, I, I think what he was trying to allude is that Connecticut is following the Keynesian um, economic policy, which actually it isn't. But, um, you know... It's a variation it's, of it's it. It's a variation of it, but it isn't. But, like... And he lives in Texas where the economy is doing pretty well, and they have a pretty far-right-leading Republican governor who is implementing these same kind of tax cuts. And there's two things that we had to think about, just like we had to mention in Connecticut, is one, what industry does Texas have in there right now that is helping to keep them above 
above water. That one, that's oil, and two, that is natural gas. They had those two industries there. So in that situation, lack of regulations help out a lot because they, these companies know they don't have to pay taxes. They don't have to worry about destroying the environment because no one will punish them so they can have jobs there. Now, the long-term effects of that, that's a different story. Texas might be in a very dangerous place in a couple of years because of all the air pollution, all the water pollution, all the pollution to the, to the soil and, and the irrigation because of fracking. But at least at the moment, their economy might be in, in a good space because of those industries. You take those industries out or you take out natural gas. And with these the dropping oil prices, Texas economy looks very, very different. I mean, you're looking at that in a coal state like West Virginia, right? West Virginia used to have a booming coal industry. Now what we are seeing is a shift away from coal, as we should be, because coal is a major polluter and it's a major contributor and factor in global climate change. But ever since we're trying to shift away from the coal and towards greener energy, you're seeing sort of a, a, an economic collapse in West Virginia. I mean, a lot of people have to remember that natural resources and where they're located have a big to do with how your economy is going to function. And even certain industries, you mentioned the auto industry in Michigan. When the auto industry left Michigan uh, and, you know, most of those autos started to get made overseas, then you had a collapse of the you know, the economy in, in Michigan. So, I mean, this is this is something you see uh, altogether. And I know, Stanley, that you're probably going to be closing this segment out soon. But I, I did want to add one more thing before you do, which is there's this great article. If you want to know more about what we're talking about, there was a great article back in March in The New Yorker. It was called The Republican Party Must Answer for What It Did in Kansas and Louisiana. And the author of the article actually starts out by talking about bizarro America. And when he's talking about, quote, unquote, bizarro America, he's talking about sort of like, um, you know, a fantasy America that does not exist yet. And he essentially goes on to say that, you know, let's say the Tea Party never happened and there was a left wing populist movement and Governor uh, Bernie Sanders came in and, and they did all these liberal things and they raised taxes and they upped the minimum wage and they made all state universities tuition free and they instituted single payer health care. And let's say let's just say for the sake of argument, it collapsed. Wouldn't we wouldn't it be important for candidates like Bernie Sanders or candidates like Hillary Clinton to explain why these progressive programs failed? Um, and if your answer to that question is yes, in bizarro world, they would have to explain why their programs did not work. Then you should also be asking why in the real world, people like Brownback and people like Jindal and people like Ted Cruz and Donald Trump and you know other Republicans aren't having to explain why their policies do not work. Stanley? Thank you so much for that. So, guys, I do want to close this conversation out, and I want to piggyback off of what Alyssa was just talking about. She's absolutely right. So if we lived in a world where Bernie Sanders became president, or even just the governor of Vermont, and he implemented every single one of these economic policies that we believe were the ones that would work for this country, and it failed, we would never go back to that policy again. There was no way we'd go back to it. But right now, as we speak, there are people... In D.C., there are people who sometimes walk through the corners of the White House. There are people in our communities who keep saying the best way to save this economy, to save this world, is to cut taxes on the rich and drop down on regulations. And when you do those two things, the economy will grow. The economy has never grown under such political or economic atmospheres. It has suffered. And unless you are a person who believes in the suffering of people and the failure or just the ignorance of math, 
this kind of economic policy will not work for you. Donald Trump is many things. He is a racist. He is a bigot. He is clearly a narcissist, but he's also someone who very strongly believes in these things. Don't believe what you hear when he says he'll cut taxes for the rich. He's shifting to the left or whatever it is to get more voters. He wants to make cuts on his taxes, on his friend's taxes, so that he can make sure that he is bringing in in his bottom dollar. And on the first hand, it might benefit you because you might save a couple of dollars, but in the end, it will hurt and it will burn. And there's nothing harder to do than climb out of a hole that you spent eight years digging. Because while you were digging, you probably didn't think of putting up some notches to get your way out of it. And because of that, you might be stuck. If you want to be stuck, vote for Trump. If you want to be stuck, support these policies. If you want to climb out and pick somebody up while you're leaving as well, then let's make sure we have smart economy that thinks about math, consequences, and thinks critically. If not, hey, I'll meet you at the bottom. We'll be right back after this quick break, guys. When we come back, it'll be the news roundup. We will be talking about everything under the sun, including something I learned in Flint, Michigan. WHCR 90.3 FM, New York. Just killed a man. 